Hi, this is Donnie Gallagher from Brewmasters Club, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. And I'm going to tell you a story of my own story is that uh, way back uh, when we, it was before the uh, the first Apple computer, I used to have a, a Spectrum, a Spectrum uh, computer, which was my first computer. And I ended up creating a program that was telling a story and the story would depend upon the actions I took within this program. It was pretty awesome, although it was only very you know uh, basic and text-based but uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, all that time on, and we have now our next guest who has got some really awesome things that, to share with us with regards to storytelling and immersing yourself and interacting yourself within the story. So I'm going to introduce our next guest. Uh, he is uh, Andrew Spawn, and he is the creator of My Muse. And so um, you can go and check it out. All the links will be on um, the show notes. So if just go to theappguy.co and search for Andrew Spawn, that's S-P-O-H-N, and uh, you'll be able to find out all our links to uh, the various things that we're going to talk about. Andrew, hi, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Paul, how's it going? It's going great. So uh, first of all, just let's go straight into it. Your idea is totally awesome. I was blown away by it. <laughs> interactive storytelling where we can actually have some input and the story changes uh, as we go through it, you know, depending on, on what we decide. I love it. Tell us more. Yeah, sure. So it's it's kind of inspired by, uh, you know, role-playing games and choose-your-own-adventure type stories, and then also uh, interactive fiction, like kind of what you described that you worked on a while ago. Um, I didn't know that about you. That's pretty awesome. It's not but that yeah, it's, awesome. Come on. I mean, it's, it's a long time <laughs> it's ago. It's a really fun space to work in, though, I think. Um, for whatever reason, it's, it's kind of uh, niche right now still, which is kind of kind of interesting i guess and kind of fun for that community it's not like everyone is into interactive fiction but for those who are into it, it they realize the uh the value in it um that it's a story that you can really link up with a lot better than just a linear story that someone's telling you it's you have uh, you can make changes in it. it's really cool i mean um and with this system i mean you know it's it's kind of similar to those traditional interactive fiction where you make a decision after each chapter that determines which version of the next chapter comes up so you kind of are choosing your own destiny there but there's also a social element to it um and that's kind of based on the idea that there are three different characters three different main characters in each of these stories uh, and you can choose which one of those characters you want to kind of play as so if you don't like the one character that you're you start out with you can always start over and choose a different character and then so that leaves if you choose one character there are still two characters available you can either have friends or other members of the community jump in and play as those characters. Um, or you could just leave them unassigned and then a computer would kind of make the decisions for you, uh, for those characters, I mean. So as these three different characters are going through their life, uh, making decisions along the way, there are you know, consequences of those decisions that echo into the other characters' stories. So uh, this is the example I used in my, my first Kickstarter video. Um, if one character decides to, they have the option of destroying a, a power plant or at least you know disabling it, and uh, the other characters are in a you know an area where there's electricity and it's in the same city, you know if that character disables that power plant, suddenly there's no more light and their story continues where it was. You know it's not like they teleport to a certain location because the story chain they they stay where they were, just there's no electricity now and then there are alternate versions of all their following chapters based on that possibility. 
this is brilliant. I mean, it's such a genius idea because, <laughs> Thank you. well, you know, if we think about it, uh, my uh, own way I consume media has changed since I've uh, been c- creating, uh, creating podcasts. And uh, I, I do find actually now uh, watching films a little bit boring because you're so passive. And so the thought of this world where we actually have some control and destiny uh, and, you know, have a, an impact from our friends and family and uh, people uh, following us and stuff on social media, th- this is just totally awesome. I can see exactly this is the way the future is going. And yeah, so, I can see it being a lot of fun for sure, yeah. So, so let's just try and understand then uh, the uh, mechanism behind this. Are we talking about uh, an app that we're going to have on our devices? Or is it going to be... Um, uh, a website. Tell us more about how it's actually going to work. Yeah, it, it'll be an app for iPhone, Android, and then also uh, HTML5, so you'll be able to use it from any computer for the most part within the browser. Um, there'll be, you know, kind of a user account, so you've got your, your history, you've got your purchases, that kind of thing, or your your, your demos that you've downloaded. Uh, it's It's also got, you can make like a friends list and things and send out invites from within the app as well. Uh, but the app itself will, it'll be the, the store, it'll be your, your own bookshelf kind of thing, and then also the stories that you open. So it'll have those three main components there. Yeah. So, so one of the uh, big things I think the Appster Tribe will learn from is that we're going to release this episode, uh, hopefully when you have uh, your next Kickstarter launched. But I believe you, you uh, have learned some really strong lessons from the first Kickstarter uh, perhaps we can walk through those things that you've learned and how you would do things differently uh, now in this new uh, Kickstarter that will be live by the time uh, we air this uh, live. That sounds good. Uh, yeah, I learned a lot from it. Um, it. I felt very prepared when we first started, but really I wasn't. Like um, I had done a lot of research. Uh, I had been planning the Kickstarter for uh, maybe two months, maybe more, because um, I had the idea a, a little while ago, and I was originally just looking to find that like I was I thought of it and I was like oh I'm sure somebody's thought of that I want to play that really bad and I couldn't find it anywhere so I'm like okay well now I have to make it um, that involves raising money somehow because I can't program and write all the stories myself uh, <clears throat> so it was just kind of a long process but eventually you know I'm a huge fan of Kickstarter anyway um, a big just kind of consumer there and it would be kind of cool to finally have my own Kickstarter project which I've you know wanted to have for years now uh, but then once I had it you know, I got the video made and everything like that, uh, did a little animation for it, and uh, designed a logo, all that kind of stuff. And so then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go to Kickstarter. Uh, but the few things that I didn't do that I really should have done was uh, prepare updates with actual content. Um, because once you back a project, the basic, you know, if you donate like $1 or more, not donate, back uh, $1 or more, you will receive updates about the project. And most you know high quality Kickstarters will update you every single day with like a little tease or like it'll show you uh, if they're if they're going to be filming a movie it'll show you some of the props or it'll show you some test footage or like some choreography from the fight scene or um, just some kind of tangible elements of it that you can feel like the story is you know the the whole project is coming together I'm getting the kind of inside scoop here um, but with mine uh, I didn't have the content for the actual app decided yet as far as the story goes. There were several different pitches that I was working on with different authors, but um, none of them were quite to the level where I was ready to share them with the public. Just um, 
you don't want to kind of tease something and then that's not in the actual product. Like if you watch the trailer and there's a really cool scene and then you watch the movie and it's not in there, that's like, why did they put that in a trailer if it's not in the movie? See, for you though, Andrew, it's really easy. You just say, you know, you didn't make the right decisions to get to that. <laughs> that's true. That is very true. I didn't think about that. <laughs> the trailer is going to be one of the best things because, uh, you know, it would be different every time. That uh, Wow. That is pretty cool. I guess that would be pretty neat as a trailer, just showing a bunch of the different possible endings. And you're like, how did, how is this all the same story? And then they'll have to watch it time and time again to try and get yeah. to that ending, they see. Right. So so oh. I've learned a lot. I think we can learn uh, a lot. I mean, obviously, this applies to uh, the apps to try by uh, raising money on Kickstarter for potential app projects. And one of the big things I've just learned is that Kickstarter is... It's a bit like when you get pledges, you get uh, almost a mailing list and we need to be prepared daily for teasers, for uh, updates, for behind the scenes, you know, because the, the pledges are fully involved in the creative process and, and they want to to f- get updates because they're going to be the biggest uh, promoters, I guess, of uh, trying to make this uh, come to reality, this idea. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's It's such a huge resource. Like just using Kickstarter, you're given so much so many different resources that really help you out um, with that kind of mailing list. You know, you have contact with all these people, so you can directly ask them, you know, how did you hear about this project? That kind of thing. And then you can figure out where, you know, what channels of promotion are working best. And then you can also ask those people, you know, to share it on social media. Um, a lot of my referrals, which are, you know, were like someone who backed the project, they talked to a friend about it or they posted about it on their Tumblr and someone else saw that and then they backed the project. And that was uh, really cool to see, you know, when you first start seeing names show up on as your backers or that are people you don't know. And you're like, oh, wow, who's this person? How did they find it? Um, so that's really awesome having that resource available to you. Um, it, it You can kind of just interact with the community, see what they think about the project. It's That's been really cool. And even just having a video made is so big. Like even if you don't go to Kickstarter yet, you just have the video made, you can post it on your website or do like a preview page of your Kickstarter and then share that and get people's feedback. Then you can kind of tweak uh, your approach a little bit to see what works, you know, um, what is up to the public standards versus yours and which one, uh, you know, kind of how you can redirect a little bit. Um, and yeah, that was, let's that's talk really about cool. the video then, because, uh, sure. you know, we've uh, in past episode, we did actually speak with Daniel Foster, who taught us about uh, uh, the software coming out now so we can record apps. And so prototypes of apps, we can then record the screen and then that could be part, I guess, of the video. But how did you go about making your video? Uh, that's a good question. We uh, we rented a uh, just a nice camera, you know, um, I like to do do things myself if I can, but uh, I, I for sure know where to draw the line. But for that, I was like, you know, it's it's holding, it's putting a camera on a tripod. I, I don't think a professional would do that that much better than us. So, uh, so with my girlfriend's help, we got a camera. She stood behind it, you know, just made sure I was in the frame and everything. And uh, we had a, a pretty good script because I was really nervous about it, just because it was the first like public unveiling sort of 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 this project. And it's a big passion project of mine. It's really different than. Uh, making a presentation for work or for school where it's just like, you know, someone told me I had to do this, so here it is. Like, there's not really that nervous factor there because you're not representing your own brand. It's like you're representing, uh, you know, Native American history or whatever. So this was like, this is my own thing that I made, and now I'm telling people about it. And for whatever reason, I was nervous about that. Instead, you'd think that you'd be more confident, but um, I just didn't want to mess anything up or say anything wrong. So I had like a 
a script of the basic ideas uh, that I wanted to cover. And then we just filmed for a few hours and made sure we got like a good uh, kind of sampling of different camera angles. Because if you're watching a Kickstarter video and it's just one continuous shot, it's really boring. And like you kind of start getting out of it because you're like, it's just there's nothing changing about the video except for the person's mouth moving. So you got to throw in some, you know, graphics or switch camera angles um, just to kind of keep that the the action levels high so people don't fall out of it. Um, but yeah, and then uh, I wanted to do some animation. Um, I'm really into doodling and that kind of thing. So um, I just used my, my camera's phone and I built a little uh, kind of, I don't know what you'd call it, like a a thing that held my phone up above my paper, uh, just built it out of Lego bricks and then just had some computer paper and was just drawing the little sketches and taking pictures and then put those in the right sequence for the right amount of time using, I actually used iMovie, but you know, whatever movie editing software, you can basically do a, a kind of rudimentary animation, which was super fun. That was probably my favorite part of making the video. Um, and then editing, it's a lot of fun and there's a lot of resources for music that you can use. That's, uh, that's royalty free. You can find online. Uh, so yeah, it was it was an awesome experience just from a video production standpoint. Uh, there were tons of of people who do this either professionally or they've at least got equipment and stuff that were were available to come help. But I kind of wanted to forge my own path there and and just have a complete creative control. And I think it I think it went a lot better than I was expecting it to, honestly. Yeah, because you must yeah. have done a lot of research on what makes a good video. I know one former guest a few episodes ago. Uh, actually went out to her audience and asked before she actually launched the app, uh, the video on the uh, Kickstarter and uh, got got some feedback. But I'm just wondering, you know, what you've learned from your uh, research on w- what makes a really good video. So we learned about the uh, fast editing, the uh, royalty-free music. It's got to, I guess it's got to uh, include you quite uh, as the founder and your yeah. backstory. What, what about the script then for the story, putting together the story to really make a compelling argument to back and pledge your project? I would say the key is to be authentic um, because my, my like the true kind of origins of my muse is kind of like a, a nerdy sort of niche thing and I was trying to appeal to a more mass audience uh, because I think that's kind of one of the issues with interactive fiction is it's, it's such a cool thing, but for some reason the public has not got into it yet. But I, I think it could, especially if you're targeting like a younger demographic who might not have <clears throat> like a a preconceived notion of of what an interactive story is. Like they might be like, oh, those you know, if it's an adult, they might have memories from you know a long time ago when they used to play on their computer. And they're like, oh, those were so nerdy or whatever. But if it's a kid, like that idea sounds awesome. Like you know, maybe they can't control everything in the classroom or at home, but in, in the story, they can actually control something instead of just being dragged along by the main character of the story. Um, but so I just, in making the video, I think you need to be as authentic to your actual uh, origins and what got you thinking about the idea. Actually, for uh, specifically for the script then, Andrew? Yeah, so for the script, I think that the, the key points are to be as authentic as possible and tell your story and you really have to be excited about it. I mean, it's your project. You're putting it out for the public to see. Like, that's something that you should be excited about. Um, people are willing to hand you money to see your dreams come true. Like that is such a rare thing that never happens in life except through Kickstarter or other crowdfunding uh, areas. But it's such a cool feeling and you just kind of need to get in that mindset that I'm going to tell people about my passion project and then they're going to help me pay for it. Like 
it's like a magical thing. So you just need to be able to connect with your audience. And so think about what you want, like how you connect with people, what causes you to connect with someone you don't know. It's usually they have a great attitude. They're really outgoing. Um, you know, they're funny or whatever, or um, they have a really good idea. Like even just that can do it as long as it's a good balance between those things. You need to be as likable as possible um, and not be boring at all. So those would be the, the key points for writing the script. Make sure you cover all your points, but also don't let it get boring and stay as authentic and, and true to your own passion project as possible. You know, the more I think about it and uh, I, I'm thinking back to all the different episodes we've had, it almost means that anyone wanting to launch an app should actually get market validation before launching the app because there must be some sense of satisfaction to get people to physically pay for the idea to come to life, you know, rather than think you've got the world's most fantastic idea that it's the next WhatsApp, it's the next Instagram, and you you basically spend months and months and and invest a lot of your own money, and and then you eventually get to uh, launch day, and it, and it goes onto the app store and gets hidden with the extra one thousand, two thousand apps that have come on that day, and you know then all your dreams kind of go up in the air, and and I've had uh, apps that haven't gone anywhere, and, and it can be kind of a little bit frustrating. So um, what I'm getting from this, Andrew, is it, it just feels like the the right way to start with an idea. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I was definitely getting really excited when I first had the idea. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start building this right away. Uh, I'm going to write the stories myself, get everything going, and then just launch it and then improve it over time. But then I kind of, you know, I, I went to school for, for business administration and entrepreneurship. So I've got some kind of, uh, you know, like classroom knowledge of this kind of thing. Uh, and I've been been an entrepreneur in my whole life. So this was like, I was like, I want to keep treat this as an entrepreneurial thing, not just like as an experiment. Like I want it to be a success. So instead of just making it myself, um, I looked into finding people in the field who could build the app itself and then also who could write the stories and seeing what that kind of price would cost uh, just so that it's a higher caliber app. Uh, I'm not a developer myself. I'm, I'm more of like a, an ideas guy. Uh, and I, I like to execute. I like to teach myself how to do things. So I was going through Code Academy. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it just kind of teaches you the basics of coding. Uh, and it's it's a really fun kind of uh, modern self-education way of doing that, that sort of education. Um, so I was going through that and having a ton of fun with it. But then I realized, uh, you know, I might be able to build a super basic version of this myself, but I'd rather have a professional do it. So just because I'm more focused on kind of the long-term goals of the project. Like I want to see uh, all the different stories come through, that kind of thing. I'm not into like the day-to-day, like the grind of coding and that kind of thing. I'd rather focus on the success of the app overall than each individual part. Um, so yeah, it's really cool getting that validation from the public. And that that was kind of what I wanted to do because I saw the amount of money that I needed, uh, you know, check my bank account, like that's not going to work out. So, um, and I didn't want to do it. I mean, I'm definitely doing it independently, like, uh, but I don't want to do it uh, purely on my own. It's it's not like a, a solopreneur thing. Um, so yeah, so I wanted to go to Kickstarter because well, not only was I a huge fan of it beforehand, but I just see the enormous power that's that's contained there with just seeing you know what people think of your project and how much money they're willing to give to it and what kind of rewards they're interested in that kind of thing. And uh, my first campaign didn't go so well. It, it uh, only got to about ten percent in. I canceled it after like 20 days just because you could kind of see the trajectory wasn't there. 
I definitely was play, you know, was going to be pushing it a lot more in that last 10 days because that's where a lot of Kickstarter campaigns make their money. But I just decided to, to regroup and uh, lower my budget, you know, cut every cost that I could, pay for more of it out of my own pocket. And then also I wanted to develop more of a story to go along with it. Whereas the first campaign was kind of pitching the whole technology, like this is this new medium. Whereas I think it should have been, this is this new medium, here's an example of what it'll be like. And uh, having a playable demo I think is really important as well just so people can get a better idea of it, especially if it's like a really kind of unusual technology like this. Uh, whereas if it's just a, an improvement on something that everyone's done before, that might not be necessary, but not everyone's played an interactive fiction game before. Yeah, so I've, just, thought, I've actually thought of a really good idea, which is that uh, it, there, there seems no downside to it because uh, failure on Kickstarter just simply gives you the opportunity to reach out to those people who did pledge it and get their feedback, do some interviews with the uh, people that pledged. What did they like about it? What did they were, were they attracted? And and it just gives you more market research, market information, so that then you can go back and either do another relaunch or decide what the future is for the idea. So uh, any, anyone listening to this right now should be thinking very hard about the way they launch apps and uh, trying out Kickstarter. That's, that would be my suggestion. Um, so you said you're an ideas man, Andrea, and uh, the next part and the, the, the common thing we ask guests is, uh, do you have any other ideas uh, that you could share with us, any other app ideas? Because you're talking to a bunch of indie app developers and we may actually go out and build some of those things. So uh, I'm just going to ask you straight up whether you have any. If not, there's another way we can get some ideas from you. Yeah, I, I actually, I do have um, a couple of ideas um, <clears throat> and sort of, you know, I I tend, well, okay, there's this. This thing, I don't know if you've heard of uh, James Altucher, but he's a kind of a life advice sort of guy. He does a lot of podcasts. Um, but he all, he has this practice of writing down 10 ideas every day. You just kind of brainstorm a random topic and you have to at least make up 10 ideas just to kind of build your, your brain muscle a little bit, your ideas muscle. Um, so I've been doing that for like six months now. So I have all these, <laughs> uh, so I have all these ideas for apps that I want to do. I mean, not every... Every We've only got five minutes for this segment, unfortunately. Oh, okay, <laughs> you got ten. You got ten. Ten ideas a day for sixty days. <laughs> right, but I mean, I I do have just kind of two that I've been uh, been thinking about lately. Um, but that that is kind of where my the idea for my muse came from, and that's how I I kind of weighed how much I like each of those ideas versus how you know feasible it is and how many similar apps are out there, that kind of thing. That's how I chose to do my muse as my first kind of quest. Um, and then there are other apps I'd like to work on eventually, but here are some of my other, other ideas, uh, that are really different from my muse. But, uh, I, this one I've done some research on, uh, and I haven't found too much like it, but it's, it's kind of a, a rivalry based, um, self-improvement type app, whether it's, you want to focus on, you know, your financial stuff, you want to increase your savings or whatever, or decrease your spending. Um, or if it's like a, a workout based thing, any kind of, you know, self-improvement where you're trying to meet a goal on a regular basis, it uh, compares you with sort of your rivals, either in your your local area, in your whole, you know, country, or you could just do like your specific town. Like, um, I think that it might be kind of more fun because you're like, you know what, I might actually know the people who are outperforming me right now. And that kind of makes me want to push a little bit harder. Um, I think a lot of times with those kind of apps, it's like, there aren't really any consequences. No one, no one knows I'm doing this app. You know, I decided not to share it on Facebook or whatever. This is just, I'm trying to do better in my own life. And a lot of times you just give up. You're like, eh, you know, I'm, I don't like tracking my, my, 
purchases every day or whatever. But then if you see, you know, other people your age in your town, they're saving an average of, you know, $500 a month and you're saving like 100, you'd be like, well, I at least want to meet my peers, not, not necessarily beat them all, but I need to like get up to that level. I think that that's kind of, kind of cool because in the, the internet age, you're, you tend to be a lot more disconnected from, from your peers about certain things. And I think that that kind of helps to bring people together. So they kind of are, are racing almost where you want to catch up to that next person instead of just running by yourself where you'll just go slow and at your own comfortable pace. I think that's a genius idea. And also, you know, I was listening to uh, someone say that uh, most of us now do prefer our digital life than our uh, real life. And I can yeah. see that. And so, uh, you know, just listening to this, hopefully you prefer this over your real real life. But uh, uh, and the other thing is, yeah, gamification. I, I remember uh, my episode with uh, the guy who developed um, Everest, the app Everest, uh, Francis mm-hmm. Pedraza. And he said one of the hardest things was to keep people committed to the self-improvement that they were um, originally, you know, striving for. And, um, you know, I'm still committed. I'm uh, aiming for 50,000 listens uh, for this podcast. That was one of the things that I put onto Everest and and why I'm doing this podcast. But uh, he did say that, uh, you know, it's really challenging. And so I can imagine, like, you know, just gamifying that whole process would then keep people around and make it more fun and uh, make people perhaps commit to the self-improvement that they originally thought of. Yeah, I agree. I, that's I love gamification. I think it, as long if it's social, it's it's a lot more engaging. Um, it, yeah, hopefully that's kind of the same with my muse. People want to keep playing through the stories because their friends are always playing that same story, and they're like, oh well, I haven't played as this character, or I haven't fully, you know, completed it. There's still a goal to be met there. Yeah, I, I love gamification for sure. I, I actually want to be a math teacher. That's what I'll be doing uh, this time next year, math and business for high school. And I, I plan on bringing gamification as much as possible into the classroom uh, and kind of creating that sense of rivalry because I do think that it, that is a really nice driver and it's it's a fully organic thing. You just need to be able to harness it, you know? Yeah, well, the the final thing in the last few minutes is to ask you, one or two apps that are your favorite. So if you could reach for your smartphone, wherever that may be, and perhaps tell us uh, one or two apps that you use that maybe we haven't come across before. Sure. Um, well, I've got a couple. Uh, and actually, the the main apps that I really enjoy using are super basic, and everyone has them on their phone by default. Um, I really like using just a notes app uh, to be able to keep track of those 10 ideas every day just to keep my mind going every day. And if I, you know, I see that app on my home screen, I'm like, okay, I got to do that today. I haven't done it yet. Um, and then I mentioned a little bit earlier about the the Kickstarter video when I did that animation. I just absolutely love that process. Um, I'm just, I've never made an animation before, but then I, I just was like, well, it's just, you know, kind of a, a picture of a drawing. So I have a camera with, on my phone and uh, it was just really fun to do that and just to use the camera and then, use a video editor to combine them together. I think that's a really fun process that I had never done before. But as far as uh, apps that are actually interesting in themselves, um, there's there's one that I've been using called Dodo Case VR. Uh, it's it's like the Oculus Rift, um, but it's a, a cardboard version that you can make yourself. It's, it's based on Google Cardboard. Um, you can buy this thing for $25 on, on Dodo Case's website, and then you get a free app. And that app is basically a store of all these virtual reality titles. There's all kinds of different games and apps, and they're almost all free, but it's just so fun to play with. Um, The Oculus Rift, you know, when I first saw that Kickstarter video, I'm like, that is so cool. 
I really want that, but I don't think I can afford it. Um, and then a, there's a cardboard version, which does the exact same thing, uh, but it's only you know $25. And you have all these different apps you can use with it that are totally free. Um, so I know it's a game, but it's just so cool to kind of see the future a little bit and be able to uh, experience that that virtual reality world that you know everyone as a kid wanted to experience. Well, it's been, it's, it's been a awesome. great suggestion actually, because you know as app developers, we're always looking for new potential audiences, and maybe you know developing for that uh, Dodo VR and so Dodo Case VR. I'll I'll put a link to that at theappguy.co and your episode number. So just uh, again, I just remind everyone to go to theappguy.co, search the podcasts for Andrew uh, Spawn, who we're talking to, and uh, and then you'll get links to... Um, uh, in fact, what I'll do is I'll try and find if there's any developer portal that we can uh, develop for uh, Dodo Case VR, which I think would be awesome. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely kind of... I mean, there, there are apps out there, but it's not fully tapped for sure. The, the apps that are there are basically kind of tech demos like you're you're trying out a new sort of game type but you're not really developing the game like i don't think any of them have any kind of scoring uh mechanism it's all just like you know you find the 10 cubes or you run through the whole course but there's a lot more development to be done in that space and um it's it's a little bit gimmicky because it is its own peripheral kind of like uh, the nintendo wii for example but that doesn't mean there's not room for some amazing apps out there to be put on that platform yeah and well i mean i was thinking back to the start of the uh the iphone and uh you know when it first launched maybe there were 10 20 000 odd apps in there and uh at the time people would have said you know uh, there's not there's not enough room for any more apps <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's crazy isn't yeah it? he would have envisaged uh you know this little device we would have had millions of apps on it and uh just uh, it's just crazy how the whole thing's gone, Andrew. It's been wonderful talking to you, and uh, I I think it's it's really important that we uh, ask ask you how we can connect with you because you sound like someone who's uh, happy to reach out and connect with people. So how, how best can we do that? Absolutely, um, it's it's been an honor being here. Uh, I would say mymuse.com is the best place to go, which which mymuse means my uh, multi-user interactive story. So it's m y m u i s dot com. And I actually, um, speaking of community involvement, my next kind of stage for it um, as we're progressing to the the Kickstarter um, is using a lot of user-generated content and this idea of of open collaboration. So it's like open user-generated collaboration. So if you go on there, there's a link to the Wikia page, which is a community for people who are interested in contributing to a project that's larger than themselves, but they don't necessarily want to carry the whole load themselves and do all the work. So it's basically the MyMuse idea, and it's just generating ideas for stories. And then there's also a section for, for programmers and developers who feel like contributing to the project. Because the more I can get from crowdsourcing as far as uh, work, you know, the creative part and also the, the back-end side, the more I can get done from the crowdsourcing, the lower the budget needs to be. So I'm just trying to get, get this project to be as successful as possible um, and engaging the community as much as I can, because I know as a kind of creative person who doesn't want to take a lot of risks and have you know ten different d- ideas in development at the same time, I want to be able to contribute to something, um, whether that's just user reviews online on you know on Yelp or whatever. Um, it's nice to be able to create some content for something and get you know hear your voice heard. Whereas if I was able to contribute to a project, 
you know, say I have an idea for a character and I don't, I'm not going to use them. I have this idea for a character. You can just post it on there. And then if it fits in with one of the stories, we might be using that character. And then uh, depending on how much content that specific person generates for that wiki, they'll be receiving a certain amount of compensation depending on, on uh, how they are compared to the rest of the community. It's kind of that same rivalry idea. The top contributors will receive compensation and then all contributors will be entered into raffles to win prizes and things. So yeah, so that's going to be all those links are on there. There's going to be links to the Kickstarter video, everything just through uh, mymuse.com. Well, this is great. Well, I just want to challenge uh, everyone listening. Uh, you know, I'm all into giving back and getting involved. So if you like this story, the story of my muse and uh, our guest Andrew, then just go and uh, help out. Just go and check it out. You never know. You might be end up ending up uh, in a story or contributing to a story, which I think would be great and getting paid. So, <laughs> uh, Andrew, it's been wonderful uh, having you on the show. Uh, let us know anytime we can help you. Uh, all the best with everything and, uh, and good luck. Thanks very much. Thank you so much, Paul. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. Everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. You can build your own things that other people can use. The App Guy Podcast 